Hi, I'm Mark Priestley. After a life spent in the elite environment of the Formula One pit lane learning how to win, this podcast aims to bring that elusive, high-performance culture into your daily lives. In this week's episode, I'm looking at Ferrari's decision-making, F1's ability to never see the big moments in life as the end of a journey, but perhaps just the beginning of the next one. Plus, I'm giving away the brand new official F1 22 game, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Pit Lane Life Lessons. Talk about how Formula One teams are so successful. Tiny things, but you only find those tiny things when you look for them. Of course, there's only one winner in every Grand Prix, so for everybody else, you haven't won, so it could be deemed that's, that's a failure. Okay, guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast. Thank you so much for joining wherever it is you are in the world. I appreciate every single one of you as ever. Uh, I've got a few things to talk about today. Plus, as I said earlier there, I will be giving away the brand new F122 official Formula One game, a game that I have spent weeks and weeks and weeks recording thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of voiceover for as the new race engineer. Thank you for all your comments, by the way. Anyone who picked that game up came out this weekend. Uh, If you're enjoying it so far, I hope you are, and thank you for letting me know, those of you that did. Uh, We'll be giving away a copy of that a little bit later on, so stay hooked up for that one. Uh, In the meantime, though, there's lots that I want to cover. This has been a big week for me in my personal life, and of course we had an epic British Grand Prix, and we're going to get into some of that as well. I want to start by talking about some of the things that have happened to me in the past week, because the week just gone was a week of what could often be seen as conclusions in my life. So in the wheeler dealer world, uh, we came to, or we are coming to, the very end of the uh, the next season. The next season of shows, it'll come onto the TV in the UK around September time. We are just about completing. And at the end of every one of those shows, there's always a bit that we call the joyride. It's the epic big finale to the show where we've built a car, we've built a vehicle, and then we take it somewhere special to give it a proper test, to give it a run out. We take it to an event which we compete in. We take it to a big epic scenery, uh, epic scene somewhere, some incredible terrain. We take it somewhere special and we have a big crew. We have drones. We have multiple cameras. It's a big event for us. And for Mike Brewer and I, of course, it's an amazing shoot because we get to drive these vehicles in these amazing places at these incredible events doing these incredible stunts doing these things it's amazing it's great fun we sort of refer to it as the reward for all of the hard work that went into the episode to building the car building the vehicle the joyride is the best bit for us and it's also this sort of big as i said the big finale in the show This week, we spent time in a disused dockyard staging a police chase. As you can imagine, that was a huge amount of fun to do. Um, We also went off-roading in the end of another episode that we filmed this week. Again, great fun. It's the big moments at the end. It's the conclusion of the show, of the episode. So that was the first thing. That was a conclusive moment. It was the big finale of those particular episodes. But also, I, as I said earlier, I've spent months probably recording thousands and thousands of lines of voiceover for the official F122 game. 
and it eventually came out. It finally launched this week. It was released to the public. It was on the shelves, in the shops. People started buying it. People started playing that game for the very first time. Again, the conclusion of months and months and months of work. And that's just my part, which is a very small part. There are many, many people that have put a huge amount into creating that game. And finally, it's on the shelves. It's been released out there into the world where people get to see it for the very first time. Another big moment. And what was definitely a big moment for me this week in my life was that I finally got to go and pick up my brand new car. Now, that was a little personal triumph, a personal moment for me. I've never owned a new car before, either as an adult or when I was a kid. My family could never afford a new car either. So I've never, ever had that experience. I ordered the car a long time ago now. There have been a lot of delays. And so the anticipation has been building. I've been excited about it. Couldn't wait to actually finally get my hands on it. And this week, I finally got to go and pick it up. And in the days before I actually collected it, that anticipation, that excitement was building and building and building. And I was literally like a kid at Christmas or on Christmas Eve, the night before the big day. I was so almost overwhelmed with expectation of what the feeling was going to be like to get my hands on my own first ever brand new car. And some slightly curious feelings set in in those couple of days before I actually picked it up. You see, the thing is about me finally being able to buy my own brand new car. It's not that I've bought it on the never never. It's not that I'm paying this off for the rest of my life. I have managed to save up over years to build up enough money to be able to go and purchase that car outright. And that's a huge achievement for me, something I'm very proud of, something I've worked incredibly hard to do. I didn't want to buy this car on credit. That wouldn't really have felt like buying a brand new car. I wanted to have enough money in the bank to be able to then go and buy the car when I knew I could afford to do it. And that's what I've done. As I said, it's an achievement for me personally. It's a goal that I have managed to realise and something that I am very proud of. Now, these curious feelings that I had on the days before collecting it came about as a result of me reading lots of books, listening to lots of podcasts about other people who have finally achieved their dreams or realised their ambitions, bought the fancy car, bought the big house, sold their companies, achieved whatever it was they set out to achieve many years before And yet the day after that achievement, the day after they bought the car or the house, the day after they sold their company, having feelings of massive anticlimax, having feelings of it's all over, so what now? I've got the thing, so what next? And these little concerns, these feelings began to bubble up in my mind in the days before collecting my car, thinking, well, hang on, what if this is me? What if I've had so much focus on buying this new car for so many years that actually I'm building myself up for a huge disappointment when I actually get the car? Has it been the sole focus in my life for such a long period of time? And I wondered whether I would wake up the next morning after I'd bought the car and had it parked on my own driveway feeling a little down and disappointed, feeling a little bit like, well, now what are my goals and targets? 
and I had some slight nerves, if I'm really honest, about whether I would see those feelings, whether I would feel those things myself. When I've heard people talk about it, it feels like such a downward emotion. It feels like such a disappointment on a day that should be celebratory, filled with excitement and a sense of achievement, these people were recalling emotions that were the opposite of that. They had achieved their dream, but actually, what now? And I had these very real concerns or worries in my own mind in the days before I went to collect my car. And in a slightly similar way, in the build-up to the release of the F122 game that I had put a huge amount of time and effort into, It was a monumental task to redo every single one of the race engineer lines for that game. The previous race engineer in the game, a character called Jeff, had become almost iconic. People loved and hated him at the same time. And when it was announced that I was taking part as the new race engineer in the game, there was mixed reaction from people being disappointed that Jeff was going. A hashtag RIP Jeff started trending on Twitter. And, you know, I couldn't help start to think... When this game finally came out and the game was actually released to the public, would people like the fact that I was a new race engineer or would they actually hate it because they miss Jeff? You know, what would be the emotion on the day that this game was released to the world? After all of the weeks and weeks of really hard work, a long, hard slog recording all of those lines, it might not sound like much, but believe me, it's a huge task to get that done. And I was excited about it. Again, I was proud of my contribution to the game. I was proud to be part of it. It's a game that I play. It's a game my kids play. An amazing opportunity for me. But if when it was released out into the world, people didn't like it, I mean, I would imagine that would feel awful. What a sense of disappointment that would be on what should have been a really big day. It's a bit like when I put a YouTube video out into the world, or indeed one of these podcasts, I put a lot of time and effort into it. I put everything I can to try and make it as good as I can. But only then, when I release it out into the world, do I get to see the feedback from other people. It's exactly the same with our Wheel Adidas episodes. Massive operation. Massive amount of effort that goes into making each one of those shows. And every single member of that brilliant team that we have puts everything into it. If we don't like what we've done, we'll scrap it and we'll redo it because we don't ever want to put an episode out that we think is less than 100%, that is not as good as it could or should be. And so we'll keep going until we think we've got there. But then when we're happy, we have to release it eventually out into the world. And only then do we get the feedback of the people that really matter, the viewers. Because we can spend as much time, money and effort on creating something, but if the people it's been created for don't like it or appreciate it, and ultimately if they don't watch it, well then it's worthless. It has no value to the channel. It has no value to the people that commission the show. It only matters whether the viewers, the fans enjoy the show and continue to watch it. But we don't find that out until of course the episode plays out on the television. So all of these big conclusive moments after massive amounts of work huge focus and dedication, all honing down to that one moment where we get the conclusion. These are big moments in everybody's lives involved. And there's always a nervousness about what sort of feelings we will experience 
after those big moments have happened, after that conclusion has played out. And this is what I'm talking about that's happened to me this week. The new car, the concluding the episodes for Wheeler Dealers and the release of this big F1 2022 game. It's a huge moment. They are huge moments for me and the other people involved. And there is nervousness about what the feelings that we will experience the day after these big moments have happened. And it made me think of this phenomenon that I've heard so many times on podcasts that I've read in books that people often refer to as gold medal syndrome, where so much time and effort, so much dedication, sacrifice and focus goes into heading towards one particular moment, one big day, one big occasion. The gold medal syndrome refers to the moment that an athlete, after years and years of dedication and focus, of training and effort, all goes into that one moment, whether in the Olympic final, perhaps, going for the gold medal. And even if they get that gold medal and achieve the greatest thing in their career, the thing they've dreamt of for years and been getting up at 4am every single day, rain or shine, to train for, when the moment happens... Quite often, people have a moment after that, the day after the big celebration, after they've achieved the big dream, the big goal. The next day, there are quite often feelings of anticlimax, feelings of, well, what now? My whole life has been centered around this one particular target, which I've now achieved. So what does the rest of my life look like? What do I do tomorrow? What's going to get me up? in the morning, get me out of bed and focus my efforts, my ambitions. What am I supposed to do now, now that I've got the thing I was after? It's a similar thing to the way people dream about owning a Lamborghini, owning the big house, the entrepreneur selling the company to a bigger organisation, a company they might have built from scratch, but for big, big money. All of these moments are huge moments in people's lives, but... The problem comes when all of the focus has been only on that single moment, that one single achievement. If the purpose of your life up to that point has solely been to own a Lamborghini, to own the big house or to sell the company, to get the gold medal, if that has been the meaning of your life, the moment you achieve it, well then what's the meaning of your life from the next day onwards? Because You've no longer got that target anymore. You've achieved it. And this is where these feelings that I was starting to become concerned about having in the days prior to picking up a new car, the release of the game, and what we went through this week with Wheeler Dealers concluding those shows. That's where those feelings came from. I was worrying whether I would start to feel that sort of gold medal syndrome feeling the day after. So I picked up my car and I was filled with positive emotion. I was overjoyed. I love it. I spent a day just driving around in it, playing with all the settings. And then I went to bed and I woke up the next day and I was still just as excited. And then the day after that happened and I still felt really excited. I opened the curtains in the morning. I look out in the driveway and there it is. I still own my own brand new car. And in the days that have passed, I haven't had any negative emotion, any downward spiral of feeling like this anticlimax, like what now? I haven't had any of those things. I'm still excited about the fact that I own a new car. I'm still proud of it. I'm still enjoying it. 
the game, the F122 game, came out at the end of last week. People began to play the game for real. I started seeing people on Twitter playing the game. People started messaging me and feeling really positive about it, really overjoyed that I was part of the game. Some people messaged me to say that, actually, they really miss Jeff. They miss the old race engineer. They wish that they hadn't changed it because the old guy was what they loved about the game most. There was a mixture of these kind of responses coming back to me. I mean, some pretty brutal, some really nice, a total mixture. But despite all of that mixed feedback, my overwhelming emotion was one of pride that I had helped to create something as special, as big, as powerful as this brand new official F1 game. Some of my friends began messaging me saying they were playing the game and it was great to hear my voice on it. One of my son's friends messaged him going, I've just got the new F1 game. Is that your dad on the game? I mean, these moments fill me with joy. And that was the emotion that stuck with me. That's the emotion that I have remained filled with since the day that the game was released. I haven't been up and down in my emotional state based upon good or bad feedback, good or bad comments. I haven't had a sort of roller coaster of emotions since picking up the car. And I'm certainly not consumed with doubt or fear around the Wheel Adidas episodes that people are not going to like it when it hits the screens, because I'm really proud and content with what we have done to make these episodes. And this is the absolute point here. Every one of those three things that I have referred to as conclusive moments that have happened to me and the people around me in the week that's just gone are not moments that have occurred because I or we have had our sole focus for a long time on that outcome. My life, my career has not been building towards buying a new car. The weeks I spent in the voiceover booth recording the thousands of lines for the F122 game were not centred on the day that the game was released. And the days and weeks that Mike Brewer and I and the entire team spent creating the new Wheeler Dealers episodes for this new season were not solely centred around the day they go on television. Of course, that's important, but none of us involved in making that show spent every single day of our lives worrying about whether people were actually going to enjoy it. Of course, we took that into consideration and every decision we made was based around that to some extent. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that on every single day that I was filming the episodes of Wheeler Dealers, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying myself. I was making sure that I was proud of the contribution that I was making. And I know Mike feels exactly the same. And I'm pretty sure that every single member of our production team does it for the same reasons, with the same motivations to come to work every day and enjoy ourselves. We have an incredible time. We have a great laugh. We have a great experience as a group to create these shows together. In terms of the F122 game, I loved every second of going to sit in a voiceover booth and record those lines. I was incredibly proud every day I was in there. I wished I could have shouted about it and told the world in that moment because I was having so much fun. And when it came to my car, my new car is a result of many years of hard work and dedication in building my career, my finances, building my life. 
but it certainly wasn't the focus of my life up until that point. Because in every single thing that I've done, whether it's working in the pit lane of Formula One, whether it's working in the media side of Formula One, doing commentary, the speaking tour that I now am on, the business consulting, the businesses that I have built, none of those things were done to achieve the new car. Yes, I would have always loved to have owned a new car. Yes, I've never had one in my life. So it's been something in the back of my mind that I would always love to have. Like I would love to go on a fancy holiday. Like I'd love to own a great big fancy house. They're sort of little pipe dreams, but they are not the focus of my days. And that is the very point here. When the end goal becomes the sole focus of your life, once it's achieved, then what's the focus of your life? What have you got left to achieve? What have you got left to focus on? And this is where I bring it back to Formula One. It's like getting to a Grand Prix weekend. A massive amount of effort by a huge number of people goes into simply getting two cars onto the grid on a Sunday afternoon. You can go through that race and have success or otherwise you could get both cars wiped out on the opening lap. And of course, the outcome matters. It's a competitive business, but it's never the end of the line. Whether you have the most incredible weekend, whether you get a one-two finish, whether you win the race or you have both cars fail on the start line, get knocked out at the first corner, it's not the end of the journey. Whether you win the world championship at the end of the season, the biggest prize in the sport, something that I've been fortunate enough to be part of a team that's achieved. It could be very easy to take your foot off the gas to say, wow, guys, we did it. Give each other a huge pat on the back and just relax because years and years of effort and focus and dedication have gone into achieving that dream. And then when it happens, you realize it's not the end. If you do stop, if you do take your foot off the gas, if you do just relax and you start to question what your motivation is next, because what have you got left? Well, then you'll very, very quickly tumble from the top of that order. You'll very, very quickly get overtaken by the people that are behind you, that are hungry for that success, that want the title, that want to take that target off your back. Formula One has taught me that these big moments in life, whether successful or otherwise, are just little punctuation marks. They're just commas. They're not a full stop. They are not the end of a line. They're not the end of a journey. Because if they are, you might as well write off the next season. You get to the end of one season, whether massively successful or a huge disappointment, if you stop, you may as well just write off the next year. Because the moment you stop and everyone else is continuing to push, you've suddenly lost out. You're at a massive disadvantage and that disadvantage will carry over through to the following year. And my point that I'm trying to make here is that the focus of any individual or any group, any team, any organisation or business should not be solely centred on one specific moment in time or one particular achievement. If your whole purpose in life is focused on that one big thing, the moment that big thing goes, whether it's achieved or lost, you've got no purpose left. And you can't operate like that on a long-term scale. You've got to have a bigger purpose, a more infinite purpose that will continue to drive you long after the day that the big thing is achieved. My purpose in life, my goal in life was never 
to buy the fancy car. My goal in life is always to enjoy myself, to try as many things as I can, to continually push myself to see what my limits are and whether I can go to them and beyond them to achieve great things, to be the best version of myself that I can at all times, to create opportunities, to take advantage of opportunities as they come along. As I move through my years, those opportunities might change. I find that incredibly exciting. I don't know what's around the corner because I'm keeping my options open. I'm keeping my goals in life open. Somebody asked me recently, how long am I going to continue doing the Wheeler Dealer show for? And the answer is, I have no idea. I'm not setting an end target here. I'm enjoying myself doing it. I love what I get to do with the Wheeler Dealers show. I love the people that I work with. I'm having a great time. And so whilst that continues and people are happy to have me on the show, I would love to continue doing it. But when that comes to an end, if it does at some point, inevitably it will at some point, whether through me making a decision to move on to do something else or somebody else making a decision that they don't necessarily want me as part of that show anymore. Either way, I'm going to enjoy every single part of it, every single day up until that moment comes. And when it does come, I don't know what's next. And I love the fact that I don't know what's next. But my infinite purpose, my attitude towards unending goals and unending possibilities is what will keep that drive alive for me. I've talked before about how McLaren reset our goals as a team way back years ago when I was still there from trying to win a world championship, which clearly is a target, which clearly is a goal that everybody is aiming for. But the bigger purpose of the team is not to win the world championship. The bigger purpose of the team is to be the best Formula One team they can be at all times. That's a never ending goal. That's an infinite goal. That's a goal that gives the team purpose no matter what the result being the best you can be, and this applies to every single one of us. If our goal is to be the best version of ourselves at all times, we've always got something to strive for. And as long as that excites us, as long as that keeps us going, as long as that can take all manner of twists and turns along the way to keep that anticipation and that unknowing excitement in every day of your lives where you never quite know how the day will end up, where you never quite know what opportunities might come your way, that can be an eternally motivating force, a powerful one at that. So thinking about why you're doing what you're doing, what gets you out of bed in the mornings, what are you actually trying to achieve in your life? Hopefully not just a thing, not just a purchase or a big moment or an award or recognition for something. If the motivation can be longer term, can be infinite, it can keep you going no matter what the outcomes in your life. If everything is outcome-based, you're reliant on so many external factors. There are so many reasons where you might or might not win the Grand Prix, despite all of your efforts, where you may or may not have any hope of winning a world championship, despite all your efforts. Whereas if your goal is to be the best you can be, the best version of yourself you can be, you're in control of that. You have total control of how that plays out for you. My goals in life have been to enjoy every moment of my career and building my businesses, building my life to this point. I've enjoyed it all. I continue to enjoy it all. The new car is 
a wonderful, lucky thing that I'm very grateful to have. It's a nice thing that I've been able to achieve as a result of striving for my infinite goals. It was never the goal itself. Creating the F1 game, I enjoyed every moment of it. That's what motivated me every day to go to that studio and sit and record more and more lines of VO. It wasn't about what the game would be like in the end or whether people would like me on it. It was about me enjoying the process. And exactly the same thing applies to the Wheeler Dealers programs that we make. Refocusing where your goals sit is a really powerful way to turn around the ups and downs, the emotional roller coaster that you can have when your goals in life are outcome based, when they are achievement based. If you can find a way to enjoy your day, to achieve things every single day in your personal life, achieve personal targets of becoming better than you were yesterday, of doing something well, better than you could do it yesterday, being better, being kinder, being more polite, being more friendly, helping others, doing things for others, all of these little tiny targets that can fit into your bigger picture, your overarching ethos around life can be a powerful motivating force in itself. And this is my message here, because when you do hit a big target, or even if you miss that target, if you get recognised for your achievements or not, if you can find a way to continually be looking to the next opportunity, to understanding where the next bout of enjoyment's coming from, what can you possibly get out of tomorrow? Those things will keep you going on a daily basis, much more so than aiming for some long distance target like winning the world championship that can have so many outside forces and factors that can influence it and can be so far into the distance that it can be really hard to maintain that motivation for such a long period of time, despite the twists and turns that will inevitably happen on the way to reaching it. If your goals are much more intrinsic if your targets are motivated by becoming the best version of yourself that you can be, by searching for enjoyment somewhere in every single day, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of service, doing things for others that can be incredibly powerful as a motivating force. If you can find those things, those unending targets, every single day, the motivation can be maintained for a long period of time. There's no end point to that. You can remain motivated and fulfilled for the rest of your days. So I encourage you to have a little think this week about why you do the things that you do. I have been lucky after these big moments of conclusion in my life this week that I haven't had any feelings of disappointment off the back of it, despite people telling me that they hate the fact that I'm now in their game, that I'm the voice in their ear as they're playing this every single day. Despite that some people despise that that decision was made, I still feel utterly fulfilled about the fact that I was part of it because I enjoyed every single moment of doing it. And it was hard. It was often very difficult. It took me away from my family quite often. I was there some very late nights after a long day of filming on the Wheel of Dealers set. This was some sacrifice that went into this, but I enjoyed every single moment of doing it. And it was that important factor that has enabled me or allowed me to feel utterly content now that the game is released with its mixed reactions out there in the world. 
My car is not something that has been a focus in my life of trying to achieve over the years of building businesses and building my career. So now that I've got it, I don't have an anticlimactic feeling. I'm not now searching for what my goal is in life because I still know what my goal is. It's the same goal that I've had for years. And that's to enjoy myself, to help others around me and to create and exploit the opportunities that come my way. It's an exciting way to live your life. I am genuinely excited about the future and I don't know what that is, but that's the very point. And exactly the same thing goes for my contribution to the Wheeler Dealers episodes. I'm loving every single moment of doing it. It's very easy to look at that and go, well, of course you're loving these things. Look at you. You've got this incredible job. You know, for me, I'm sitting in an office every day with people that I don't particularly like doing a job that I never really dreamt of having. And I totally get that. But even if that's your situation, if that's the way that your life looks right now, is there a way that you can reframe it? Is there a way that you can start to take control of that situation a little bit? Rather than becoming a passenger in your life, take some control back. You're in control of the way that you behave, the way that you act over the course of your days. Can you start to inject a little bit of fun into the office? Can you create situations that bring the team together? If the boss is not going to do it, if the company isn't that way inclined, if the people around you in your office don't seem like they're motivated to get up and organise a team building exercise, to organise a lunch together, to go for drinks after work, perhaps, could you do that? Could you be the one to step up and create something that could allow you to have enjoyment in your life? Can you use some of the opportunities that you have at work to fulfil yourself in a greater capacity? Is there opportunity to go on a training course that might seem pretty boring on the face of it, but could that training course offer you future opportunity further down the line? If you can develop new skills at the time and expense of your company, could they benefit you personally in the days to come? Might it send you on a different path in a different career, in a different organisation somewhere further down the line? Who knows what could come if you remain open-minded and take some kind of control for the bits of your day that you're in control of? Could you find ways to put together suggestions to give to your boss, to the company leaders, to make things better for you? Is there some obvious little wins that you can see that maybe no one else has suggested yet? Could you be the one to suggest them? Take some control over motivating your own day to be a little bit better than it was yesterday. And if no one else is going to do that for you, can you instigate that way of thinking? And that's all it starts with, is changing the way you think. And it may not happen overnight, but if you change the way you think about your days and your life and your motivations, gradually if not immediately, things will inevitably begin to change because you will react to different situations in a different way if you have a different mindset. Instead of becoming down because you haven't hit a target one particular day, is there something that you did do in that day that you can take as a positive? Did you help somebody else? It may have cost you some time in your day. Maybe you didn't finish everything on your own job list. But if you helped somebody else, can you take a real positive from that? Can you take a real sense of satisfaction personally from that? And if you can, allow it to run through you. Allow yourself to enjoy that feeling. 
If we go back to the gold medal syndrome idea, and as a gold medalist or an Olympian chasing the gold medal for your entire life, for years and years, the getting up at 4am in the middle of winter to go training, the way to overcome the disappointment of gold medal syndrome is to find a way to enjoy the training. And that goes for all of us. If you're trying to get yourself into shape yourself, to get physically fit, to lose some weight, whatever it might be, find a way to enjoy what you do. You know, I used to run a lot. My knee now has an issue. I've got a problem after playing years of football. I've got a dodgy knee. Running now becomes painful. I can't do it in the same way that I used to, but I used to really love doing it. And so it pains me to say that I can't now get up and go running because it was something that I enjoyed. So now I've had to find a different way to keep fit, but without putting the stress and strain on my knee. And I've bought myself a big punch bag, a six foot heavy bag that I go out in the mornings, put the boxing gloves on and beat the crap out of. And it gives me so much pleasure. I love doing it. And it's incredible to be keeping myself fit whilst also enjoying that process. It makes it so much easier for me to get up in the mornings early before everyone else is up to do that because I know I enjoy it. If I was solely doing it because I wanted to you know, get a muscular body, get the six pack, lose weight or whatever it might be. If that was my sole focus, it would be much harder to do. That's a goal that's so far into the distance, it would seem. That's going to be really hard to drag yourself out of bed. And eventually one day you might look in the mirror and you've got the six pack. So then what? Why would you get up out of bed at six o'clock the next morning when you've achieved it? So reframing your goals, reframing the way you live your life, taking some control of the situations in your life, even the ones that might seem like big disappointments, might seem like a struggle, like going into the office job that you don't particularly enjoy. See if you can take some control back, orchestrate an element at least of that day that gives you some fun, some enjoyment, puts a smile on your face, or at the very least gives you some fulfillment by doing something for somebody else, by doing some great work that you're proud of. Whatever the job might be, if you do it to the best of your ability, you can go home at the end of that day with a sense of achievement, with a sense of fulfillment that nobody could have done that job better than you. And those little feelings lead on to even bigger feelings the next day when you start to improve further. These little tiny changes that you can make and you have the power to make in your life can really start to impact your life in a substantial way over time. It compounds like interest over time. It compounds and becomes even more powerful. And if you can look at your motivations and goals in life and look at the way that they sit with you, can you reframe those to become more infinite? Create an infinite purpose in your life that you can never fully achieve but can always be striving for. Like the Formula One team looking to become the best Formula One team ever they can be rather than just looking to win the world championship as a sole single-minded goal. You can prevent yourself from ever feeling that unusual, unlikely even feeling of gold medal syndrome in your own life. Okay, I want to move things on to refer back to the British Grand Prix. It was an epic race, I think most people can agree. But one of the things that stood out for me was, and this is something we've talked about before, was Ferrari's decision-making from the garage, from the pit wall, and then its communication of that decision-making to the drivers. Once again, it felt like 
They let themselves down. They didn't instill confidence in their drivers or their fans or the people watching. And it almost certainly cost them what should have been a clean sweep, a one-two, a first and second with their main rival in Max Verstappen out of the picture. Now, I never like to be overly critical of Formula One teams. I've been there. I know how hard it is. It always looks so much easier when you're watching the television and we're all shouting, why haven't you made this decision? Why did you do that? I've been on the inside of that, knowing that people are shouting at their televisions about the decisions that we were making, about the actions that we were going through, the pit stops that we made. These things are far harder to be in the heart of than they are when you're watching from your sofa. However, One of the things I also know from having been in that situation is that decision making is critical when you're under the time pressures and the general pressures of operating in the world of Formula One, the highly competitive world of Formula One. What we saw play out yesterday was Charles Leclerc once again seemingly questioning the confidence that he has in his own team. Even his teammate Carlos Sainz questioning the decision-making from his own pit wall and almost taking it upon himself to make his own decisions, which almost certainly, or at least in part, contributed to him going on to win that Grand Prix. So not a disastrous day for Ferrari. They won the race, but they could have had a better result. And every time any Formula One team looks back and analyses their weekend, goes into a debrief after a Grand Prix, even if you had a very good result and you won the race like Ferrari, the big question is, could we have done better? Could we have had our other car right behind them as they cross the finish line? And you have to go through every single moment of that weekend, every decision that was made, every action that was taken, and question it, and look to see if it could have been done differently or better. And I'm fairly certain that when Ferrari do that, they will find the answer to be, yes, they could have done things slightly differently, and they could have created an even better outcome for themselves. And my point around this, and the area that I want to delve into a little bit more, is the area of not necessarily the decisions that they made, but the decision-making process. And I am speculating to some extent here. I've never worked at Ferrari. I have had a number of friends and former colleagues that have gone on to work at Ferrari, and I've spoken to them in great depth about what the culture and the atmosphere is like inside that team. And in my experience, based on their experiences, Ferrari have a culture, or have in the past at least, had a culture that has been really difficult for people to have the freedom to make decisions. When you're under pressure, the fear of things going wrong, the fear of failure has often been a debilitating factor in decision-making at Ferrari. I think we've seen it from the outside on many occasions. I think we've seen it even in recent times, where the race engineer seems utterly unconfident when being asked a question by the race drivers. And the communication back to those race drivers equally seems devoid of confidence, of commitment in whatever decision or whatever communication they are relaying. Now, I wonder whether that comes from the atmosphere and the culture within that organisation. And as I said, I'm speculating, but it certainly would appear to be that way. And I know that to create a culture that allows good clear decision-making when it matters under pressure, you have to have an organisation that frees people up from the fear of failure. And if that's what's running throughout Ferrari, perhaps it's no surprise that these are the kinds of things that Ferrari continually seem to let themselves down with. 
When it comes to making decisions, the people who have to make those decisions need to be empowered to make them based on the evidence, the information that they have. They have to be confident that if they're confident in themselves that making that decision in that moment with the information they have is the right one, they have to be allowed to go ahead and make that decision. Being clinical in decision-making is literally one of the keys to getting the best outcomes in this particular sport. The pressure that teams are under, whether you are a driver, whether you're a team manager, a race engineer, a mechanic, everybody has to make critical decisions under massive pressure at the right moment. And getting those decisions right is what leads to the best outcome. Now, with hindsight, those decisions are often reviewed and could have been done differently. But as long as in the moment when you made the decision, it was the right call, then you can be confident that you did the best you could at the time. I always refer back to this this quote that I've heard Barack Obama say in the past when, of course, he had to make some massive decisions which have massive consequences in the role that he had as president. And when asked how he goes about making those huge decisions, how do you actually go about making the big decisions that could cost lives of thousands of people if you get it wrong? He always used to say, if I've got time, then I'll take that time. I'll take all the time that I can to gather as much information before having to make that decision. But when you run out of time, or if you're under time pressure, if time's not an option for you, if you just have to make the big call, well, then you look at the information you have in that moment. Look at everything that's available. Gather as much information as you can. And when it comes to making the decision, if you've got 51% confidence that you're making the right decision, then go ahead and make it. Don't procrastinate in those big moments because procrastination can also cost lives. It can cost a successful outcome just dilly-dallying and worrying about whether or not to make the call. In business, the similar sort of things apply. Sometimes you can wait forever looking for the right time, but the right time may never come. Sometimes the right thing to do is just make the call based on the best information you have available to you. And what happens in that moment is if you make the decision in business and you go ahead and you launch the project, you launch the business, whatever it might be, then it's out there. You're gaining data, you're gaining feedback based on having made that decision. Now, it may turn out that it wasn't the right call, but what you can do is gather so much information during that period that even if it doesn't work, you're so better placed to then go ahead and make a change and go off in a different direction or make a different decision in the future. If you don't make the decision, you're continually worrying about it. You may be able to gather more data, more information over time, but when you haven't got that luxury of time, sometimes you just have to make the decision and you have to be empowered to make that decision. And as long as you are confident you're making the right one, then everyone else around you feeds off that confidence. And if it turns out to be wrong, if you can go back and look at the moment you made the decision and the information you had, and you were 51% sure it was the right call to make, well, then that is good enough. That's good enough in that moment because you couldn't have done anything else. You couldn't wait because that wasn't an option, and going the other way would have been the wrong call. 
given that you had 51% confidence that what you did was correct. It feels like what we often see at Ferrari is a committee of people discussing for too long in the critical moments about what to do. And then even when they've had those discussions and they have come up with what seemed like a half answer to the questions coming from their drivers, even relaying the information or the the answers to those questions didn't seem to be done with confidence. And that means that the person on the other end of that, that only has the communication with one person, they're not party to the bigger discussion on the team radio, then they're filled with almost no confidence themselves. They're not sure that they're being given the right information. They're not sure the decision's the right one. And then they go on questioning in their own minds whether or not what they've been told is correct. When you're questioning those things, when you're struggling to believe what you've been told, when you're struggling to accept that you've been given the right information, the accurate information, it conflicts with what you might be thinking in your own minds, you're not focusing on the job in hand. Carlos Sainz was given some information, was asked to to act in a certain way at the restart in the British Grand Prix, but it was done in such a way that it didn't fill him with confidence. He had no confidence that that was the right call. In fact, he knew in his own mind it wasn't the right call. And I think everybody watching on television probably agreed with him. He didn't follow the instruction. He went on to to drive the race his own way, which was the correct way. And he went on to win the Grand Prix. And Ferrari were floundering in these big moments. And I just wonder whether it's a cultural thing at Ferrari that means the race engineer, the people making the decisions behind the scenes, are not empowered to make those decisions based on what they think. It feels like they are having to get back up. They're having to build their own confidence to get enough people to buy into the decision before they're able to communicate it and make it. And that can take too much time and lead to poor outcomes. Mika Hakkinen always used to say to me when I worked with him in my early days at McLaren, when I first came into this sport, working with a hero of mine, the current world champion, as he was at the time. Mickey used to always say, it's better to make a decision than to not make a decision at all. Even if you get that decision wrong, it's better to commit to whatever you believe in and then let the situation play out and learn from that situation than not make the decision not gain any learning, not gain any understanding, not gain the data that you would get from just playing things out. It's better to make a decision than not make a decision at all. And that is exactly what I feel like Ferrari were struggling with during the British Grand Prix. And not just at the British Grand Prix, by the way. So if we can take lessons from this in our own daily lives, when we come under pressure, which we all do at times, whether it's at work or in our personal lives, whether we come under pressure to make a decision, to make a call, look at the information around you. If there's time to gather more information, to get more opinions, to get more feedback, to ask the opinions of others, then do so because more information helps to make better decisions. But the moment your time runs out, the moment there's no more information available or you haven't got time to gather any more, when you just have to make the call, Look at what you've got around you. Look at what information you have. And if there is enough to be 51% clear that you're making the right call, go ahead and make it. Sometimes waiting for the right moment can take forever because the right moment, the perfect moment, 
will often never come. And if you're constantly waiting for the perfect moment, you're missing out on the opportunity that comes from just doing it. Even if it doesn't work out, sometimes getting on with it, going with the experiment, trying it out and seeing what happens is a far better way to move forward in your life or in your business. Just get on with it and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, take that learning and understanding and change direction. But if you sit there procrastinating, waiting, worrying about whether or not to make the call or not, others around you may have just leapt in. They may have gone for it. And even if first time it's not a success, they're learning so much faster than you are. They're collecting so much more data and information that will allow them to make an even better, more informed decision next time to put them on the right path. And they've got a huge advantage over you who still sat there wondering what to do. Be confident, be decisive, make decisions when they have to be made based on the information, the feelings, the experience that you have. Gather all of those data points, feed them into your decision-making process and make it. And the final point on this is when you've made that decision, particularly for leading a team, communicate that decision in a way that conveys confidence. Because conveying a decision that you have doubts in yourself, when you communicate that in a way that conveys those doubts, it has a disastrous effect on the people you're communicating with, the team. If people are waiting for your decision, if they're relying on you to make the big call, Even if you're not 100% sure, and make no mistake, nobody's ever 100% sure. There is always an element of doubt. There's always another alternative outcome to the one that you hope is going to play out. But when you're communicating that decision, having made it, communicate it with confidence. In Formula One, this is never truer. The race engineer talking to the race driver on the radio Confidence in your voice, calmness is absolutely key to allowing the driver to focus on their own job. And if we look up and down the pit lane, the race engineers that we hear talking to Max Verstappen, to Lewis Hamilton, they seem to get that right far more often than not. And yet at Ferrari, it always seems to be an element of doubt in what the race engineer is saying to the driver. And because that's coming across to us as fans, it's almost certainly coming across to the drivers. And in doing so, we hear the drivers question those decisions. If the driver's having to think about and then question the decision, he's not focusing on his job behind the wheel. The driver needs to trust the race engineer, the person talking to them on the other end of that radio. They need to have total confidence in that they are doing what they think is best. And whether or not it ends up being the right outcome, if the team can trust each other, they can each focus on their own element of what they're contributing to the overall goal and outcome of that particular day. And we can all take something from that. Our teams at work, our families, our friend groups all rely on us at times to make decisions. And if we can instill confidence in those around us that we're doing the best we can with the information we have, doing that through the way we communicate, the tone of voice, the words we use, the way we say it, those things can be crucial to people having trust in us. And when people have trust in us, they allow us to make more decisions, to empower us, to lead that team. They look to us for advice. We can end up shaping 
the direction that we go, and the team will have confidence in us. These are important factors in striving for success in our lives. We will never be able to get the best outcome. We'll never get the best out of ourselves if we're having to second guess whether the people around us making decisions have made the right ones. We've got to get to a point in building these high-performing teams where we have total confidence and trust that whether or not the outcome plays out the way we all want it, we trust the next person in the chain, in the line, that they're making the decision based on the things that they have available to them and their own experience, their own intuition. If we can give that trust to them and we can believe what they say and they can communicate in a way that portrays all of that, we can all become stronger together. That's something else to think about for this week. And I want to leave us this week with, as I said earlier on, a little gift to you, a little bonus that I hope you guys will appreciate because I have been given a copy of the brand new F122 game on whichever platform you want to play it on. You can, whoever wins this, you can let me know which platform you're using and it will come to you in that format. So it doesn't matter what, whether you're on Xbox, PlayStation, PC, whatever. All you have to do to win a copy of the brand new game in which I am the race engineer, which you may love or hate, but as you heard earlier, I enjoyed every minute of being part of it. All you have to do is share this very podcast on one of the social platforms. All I need you to do is to share a link, to tweet somebody a link to your group, to share it on Instagram, to share it on Facebook, to put it on LinkedIn. You know my handles, it's at F1 Elvis on everything, on LinkedIn it's Mark Priestley, but just share it and tag me in to your post. Now, if you want to increase your chance of being able to win this game, there is another way too. If you leave a review for this podcast in the Apple Podcast Store, it doesn't have to be related to the game, but just review this week's podcast. If you can give me a five-star rating and a quick review, but leave your social media handle in the review, I will go through them all together with all of the shares and reposts and I will randomly pick a winner at the end of the week that I'll announce in next week's podcast and immediately I will make sure that you get a copy of this brand new game. It's something that I am very proud to have been part of, as I said. I hope that whoever is playing it is enjoying it, but here's a chance for you to win your own copy. Now, even if you're not interested in the game, of course, I'd still love you to share the podcast. I appreciate anyone who does that every single week. It really helps this podcast to grow. The Apple Podcast Store reviews and ratings are a huge, huge part of the way the podcast can get bigger and bigger and reach more people. So anything you can do in that regard, I really, really appreciate it. But I hope you've taken something from today's podcast. And whatever it is you've taken, I'd love you to tell me what you take from it, how it might impact you, how it might make you think differently. So any communications this week, just let me know. I really do appreciate them all. I hope you all have a wonderful week and whatever it is you're up to, don't forget this, do the right things and do the things right.